Amen. Thank you so much. Man, I tell you what, that last song just really gave me a sense of freedom. How about you? Boy, I tell you what, it's so good to be in God's house and worshiping Him. And man, what a joy it is to see you this morning. What a blessing it is to know we have freedom in Christ. And what a blessing it is to know that Pastor Sean is back from his many, many trips. We're glad you're back, buddy. And I know that uh, I know you've been worn out, but anyway, we're going to pray for God to give you strength. Hey, were you going to sing again? No. Oh, okay. No, what, All right. No. I just wanted to make sure. All right. No. no. Oh, okay. No. All right. Well, you know, sometimes uh, we 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 don't do ourselves any favors when we uh, when we uh, when we we make something look easier than it really is. And, and I can just recall, there was just, uh, you know, in my past, I, I know that uh, sometimes somebody would say, hey, can you do this for me? And I'd say, sure, no problem. I can get that done in 30 minutes. And four hours later, I'm still working on it. You ever had one of those situations in life where you just felt like, man, it was just every bit, you were facing a headwind everywhere you went. You know, a good coach is going to prepare you for the headwinds. And they're going to challenge you so that you can be the best that you can be. They're going to help you realize that your strength, it comes from the Lord, but there's also a point of physical exertion on your part. And there's a spiritual discipline that God would have us to pursue if we're going to be super able to handle the challenges of life. And so this morning, as we get a little bit deeper into this series of messages on the return of Christ, and I'm excited about that. How many of you are interested in prophetic events and what the Bible has to say about the future? Anybody here besides me? Man, I know that probably some of you probably have, have learned a lot about this in the past, and you can write books like my, my buddy Mirko about stuff like this, and some of you might be completely clueless about this and not know you know, anything about it. Well, what we're going to be doing in, this, in the preceding weeks is we're going to be talking about what the Bible has to say about the second coming of Christ and what it means, what our obligations are. We're going to touch on some subjects like uh, uh, the, uh, the, the rapture of the church. We're going to talk about the resurrection of the dead. We're going to talk about the millennial reign of Christ, what that means. We'll talk about the battles of Armageddon, and we'll be talking about the rise of a super sinister, wicked entity known as the Antichrist, and all of that is coming in the weeks ahead. But today, what I want to do is I want to focus on Matthew chapter 24, because in Matthew chapter 24, the Lord responds to a question from his disciples about his return, about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, and about his return for his own. And it's interesting in this passage because the disciples were just like us. They want to know when. When is this going to happen? Well, what are going to be the events that 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 revolve around the destruction of the temple and the, your return. And, and Jesus quite clearly takes them in a direction that they may not have expected. And yet he wants to prepare them for the days ahead. 
And so, if you will, please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 24, and please stand with me as we read God's Word together. Matthew 24. As you're standing, let me just say this. Now, Jesus and his disciples have just left the temple in Jerusalem, and it is a massive building. I mean, it was considered one of the wonders of the world. It was white marble. It was beautiful in the sunrise and the sunset, and there was gold all over the place. And it was so magnificent that people were surprised when Jesus said that it would be completely obliterated. And that's exactly what happened in A.D. 70. The destruction was so complete that they said that gold was running in the streets because of the fire that the Romans had set. It was a complete and utterly devastating event. But here's Jesus and his disciples some 70 years prior to that event. And here's what we find. Matthew 24, beginning of verse number 1. I'm reading from the ESV. Jesus left the temple and was going away. When his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, but but he answered them, You see all these. Do you not Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Pause there for just a moment. Look up here. Those two phrases, when will these things be and what will be the sign of the end of the age in the Greek In the Greek language, that is just one question. So it all comes together there. In verse number number four, Jesus says, Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away. And betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will will come. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being the living word. Thank you so much for providing for us today a word that is sharp and keen and discerning and very clearly meant to help us understand how to live and how to view your return. 
And Lord God, I just pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, that we might be encouraged and strengthened, and Lord God, that we might have an understanding of how we can prepare and how we should live before you return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Jesus made it very clear that at the end of the age, that during this time frame when uh, before his return, that a number of things would happen, that people would be cold, that they would betray one another, that, that, uh, that, that, that there would be famines and there would be earthquakes and there would be wars and there would be rumors of wars. And Jesus was trying to let the disciples know that all of these things are coming about and they're part of what God has allowed to happen as a result of the fall of man and sin and, and the corruption that's coming to this world. But about, I don't know, maybe it was about six months ago, I got a, a letter in the mail. It's interesting when you get letters in the mail and they're unsigned. And you can't trace the return address. And you just kind of wonder, what in the world are you getting into? And so I, I got this envelope. It was a church addressed to the pastor of the church. And, I, and, and I, I opened it up gingerly because there wasn't a return address on it. And I didn't recognize you know, where it possibly could have come from. I think it was maybe an Orlando or a Tampa postmark. But I'm thinking, uh-oh, I hope there's not any deadly thing in this envelope. So I'm opening it up carefully. And when I get it opened up, this is what I see. And it's kind of thick in him. Uh-oh, what is this? And so I open this up, and I look, and right here I see the words, Pastor. And I'm thinking, okay, somebody's calling me Pastor. What does that mean? Sometimes people call you Pastor for a whole lot of reasons, but anyway... Pastor, y'all can laugh. It's okay. Please do. <laughs> if my wife ever calls me pastor, I know I'm really in trouble. She don't call me pastor. She has some other words for me, but we won't talk about that now. Anyway, uh-oh, I'm in trouble already. Okay. <clears throat> it says, Pastor, please scan QR code and investigate for yourself. And there's an exclamation point behind it, and it's got some underline, and then it has a zero and another underline, and I don't know what that's all about. I guess the person's name was Ozimoto or something like that. Who knows? I don't know. Some of y'all that are into classic literature, you'll get it. But anyway, I, so I, I pulled this card up, and it's got a QR code on it, and here's what it reads on one side. Almighty God is the returned, incarnate Lord Jesus Christ of the last days. And he has appeared in China. Okay. And then it says, judgment begins with the house of God. I walk among men and I live among men. For I have become flesh and I have come into the human world. I'm like, wow. Did Jesus suddenly come into the world in China and I didn't know about it? I mean, wait a minute. This is a little bit weird. And I'm, you know, as I read this, I was reminded of this passage of scripture well, Jesus, where Jesus said that many would come and claim to be the Christ. 
And you know, it never ceases to amaze me. You remember that guy by the name of David Koresh? Anybody remember him, the Branch Davidians? You know, David Koresh taught that he was the second coming of Christ. And unfortunately, a lot of people got bought into it and they they got killed because of it. But, you know, it never ceases to amaze me. I mean, the Bible, we've had the Bible for, for thousands of years. And, and you know, the, the bottom line is that the Bible is separate from all other works of antiquity and all other, other holy writings because uh, a lot of reasons, there are a lot of reasons for it, but one of the reasons is because it is prophetic. In other words, there are prophecies that are made that are in the far past and they apply to the future and they have been fulfilled. And this sets apart the Bible from any other religious book that you might happen upon in the world today. And the Bible predicted that in the end times, there would be people coming in the name of Jesus and people claiming to be Christ. And you know, as a student of the Bible for many, many years, I thought to myself, wow, I can't believe anybody would believe that. But there are people that do believe that. And their lives become ruined Because they put their hope in something that cannot be at all possible. Now, I want to tell you something about salesmanship. This is the truth about salesmanship. And what they teach you if you're in the the business and you're some kind of salesman is, they always tell you the more contacts you have, the more offers, or the more, excuse me, the more offers you make, the more responses, positive responses you'll get. And some of you guys have been in sales and you know about this. The idea is to maximize the number of opportunities you give people, and out of that, a certain percentage will respond. And I'm thinking to myself, in this case, they've been sending this out to who knows how many uh, thousands of homes, and they have probably sent it out to a bunch of churches as well, and they're trying trying to help us understand that somehow that the Lord has returned, and He's back, and He's in China right now, and and I'm thinking to myself, anybody that knows the Word understands that Jesus said, as the coming of the Son of Man will be, it will be like lightning that shines in the east and appears in the west. In other words, you will know it's Jesus when He returns. There'll be no doubt about that. The nations of the world, the Bible says, will mourn over him. There will be an understanding that this is Messiah. But as I I look at this, I'm cognizant of the fact that so many people have been fooled. So many people have been led astray. And they're looking for someone... And you know, it's, it's, out of a, it's out of a desire and a heartbeat to know God. I know that. And, and they're desperate in a lot of cases. And then somebody comes along like a David Koresh or a Jim, uh, what's that guy's name in Guyana? Jim Jones. <clears throat> Is it Jim Jones? Okay. And, and, and they get hooked into this stuff. And, and maybe you guys heard, did you guys ever hear about Marshall Applewhite? You know who that is, Marshall Applewhite? He was the Heaven's Gate leader. And he said that uh, there were aliens that were coming on the Halley's Comet, and so the way for people to get to Halley's Comet or get to these aliens was for them to drink cyanide, and then they would rise up when Halley's Comet. And you know, I'm just telling you all kinds of crazy ideas out there, and yet people who have a desire in their heart are captured. And Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, was warning us about the things that would happen prior to his return.
Now, when we look at what's going on in the world today, you and I can probably say to ourselves, man, this world is a mess. People can't tell right from wrong. They don't even know what the meaning of a pronoun is, and they're disputing whether or not he or she should be used. And in some cases, they're saying that if you use mother or father, or you call someone a he when he wants to be a her, you can go to jail. It's happening right now. It's the world that we live in. And the bottom line is, how do God's people respond to that? What are we to do? Well, Jesus gives us some very clear instructions about how to live in this kind of environment. Look what it says, first of all, Matthew 24, verses 3 and 4. He sat on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus paused right there and said, Well, this is what's going to happen, and this is what's going to happen, and this is what's going to happen. And in 1988, it's going to happen. And matter of fact, there's a guy going to write a book about it in 1988, and then I'm going to come back. And it's not going to come back right this. So they're going to change the book so it says 1989. But, but Jesus does not give them a whole lot of very specific information, but what he does, like a good coach, is prepare them for what is going to happen. And notice what he says in verse 4. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. You know, if I'm one of the disciples... I'm thinking to myself, now wait a minute, I didn't ask you about you know, me going astray. I wanted to know what's going to happen. And then Jesus, you know, Jesus is a great teacher, so he gets these people to think. You know? And then we go on down in Matthew chapter 24, and he says, Many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. And then he says, See to it that you are not alarmed. Now there are two things. Two things there, two admonitions that he gives in these portions of Scripture. And the first one is to make sure that no one leads them astray. You know, when I'm going astray, when I'm going in the wrong direction, oftentimes I might be a little bit unclear, but then I get off track and I'm going astray. And Jesus is telling his disciples, I want you to be on the right track and I want you to be certain that you're not going astray. And then he says something else in verse number 6. He says, see to it that you are not alarmed. Now here's what our obligation is. Our obligation in this world where so many things are, are so messed up is first of all, we are not to be in fear. We are not to be surprised. If anything, we ought to have an air of confidence about us. The point that I'm making this morning is that when we see these things happening, it should revive a sense of elation in our hearts. Not because of the evil that's going on, but because the Lord predicted this would happen. And this is a confirmation of what He has already said. It gives us a sense of of understanding that the Lord said this is going to come, it's going to happen. And he knew what he was talking about. And here he speaks about false Christ. He speaks about wars and rumors of wars. 
He speaks about famines and earthquakes, and he speaks about all of these things. And I'm sure for the disciples, they weren't really thinking about that. They were just thinking about Jesus setting up the millennial kingdom or setting up his kingdom on earth. But Jesus said, don't be drawn astray. And see to it that you are not alarmed and worried and in panic. You know, there's a great passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4. Please take your Bible for just a moment and go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4. I don't think it'll be on the screen unless those guys are able to find it quickly, but I, I kind of threw this in here at the last minute. But Philippians chapter 4, and by the way, they do such a great job up there. I'm just so grateful for those guys, what they do. It makes it possible for us to get outside these walls, and, and hopefully the people that are watching online will one day want to come and join us in worship because you know it's in that worship together that we find a, a sense of community and everything. But <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, the apostle says in verse number four, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. You know, verse number five tells us something about being patient and being able to work with people. And I'll just tell you this. You know, sometimes we get so dogmatic in our beliefs that we draw a circle around ourselves and what happens is that circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller when we find something that is unreasonable to us. And then we're all alone. And I just got to tell you, from a pastoral perspective, <clears throat> we want to be able to work with all people so that we can help them achieve maturity in Christ. And sometimes that means we just have to learn how to work with each other. <clears throat> all right. Verse number, verse number four, excuse me, number five in Philippians chapter four says, The Lord is at hand. He's right here with us. He's with us in the fire, He's with us in the flood, He's with us in the darkness, He's with us in the sunshine. He's with us in the good days. He's with us on the bad days. He's always with us. The Lord is at hand. And for those who know him in a saving relationship, he is the, his spirit is with us that teaches us to cry out and say, Abba, Father, dear Daddy, Father, who art in heaven. He is with us. There's a reminder that regardless of the circumstances of this world, the Lord is at hand. And listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 4. It says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And <clears throat> the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know what? That applies to us in the midst of wars and false Christ, in famines, in earthquakes, there is the promise that God is with us and that he will be with us. And therefore, I, I, love, this, I love this quotation from, from the, uh, the, 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 the Bible preacher, teacher, Emil Bruner. And he said it like this. <clears throat> he said, Christians should be the most happy and confident people because we have an overwhelming peace in our lives. Jesus said, 
guys, I'm not going to give you the exact events. And by the way, I think Jesus knows now, but even when Jesus was in this world, in the flesh, he said that he did not even know the date of his return, but only the Father in heaven. The angels didn't know, he didn't know, but only the Father in heaven. I have a feeling right now the Lord already knows he's back in heaven now. He's the ascended Lord at the right hand of the Father. But listen to me, in crisis, what we need to understand is that in a crisis in our lives, we can call forth confidence. We can have a hope. We have a duty to avoid being misled and alarmed because of what Jesus has said will happen prior to his return. Bad things are going to happen. Now, I've thought about this a little bit, and being a pastor, I've preached on the return of Christ a number of times, and, and through the years, I don't know if you're like me, you read the Hal Lindsey's book series, and you, you, you maybe you, you read the book, The Late Great Planet Earth, that talked about the return of Christ, and, and then combat, combat faith, and, and, and then Hal Lindsey came out, and Jerry Jenkins came out with the Left Behind series, and, and there have been a lot of books that have been written, a lot of movies that have been uh, made about the return of Christ, and so... You know, over time, it's like every, every few years or so, it's like, man, the Lord must be coming right now. Anybody ever had, have you, has anybody besides me ever had that feeling that things are just so crazy that God's going God's to pull a tower of Babel on us or he's going to send a, a flood? I mean, there are times when I think to myself, man, it's got to be this week. You know, I mean, one more crazy belief system to come out of wherever it comes out of and the Lord's going to say that's enough for America but you know what I've noticed is the more I've heard and the more I've preached on the second coming of Christ sometimes when it doesn't happen like we think it would it might lead us to a place where we might just uh, get a little bit discouraged and think, well, Lord hadn't come back yet. I think I'm a little bit discouraged about this. I thought it would happen before now. And if we take, if we take catastrophic events and we try to specifically tie them to the return of the Lord, we will, be, we will face the prospect of being discouraged because Jesus said, these are the things that are going to happen, but he didn't tie those specific things to his return. Now, I just have to tell you, when you look at the book of Revelation and the seals are opened, there are things that happen. There's four writers that come out, and we'll be talking about that as well. But, but here's what I think happens when, when, when we mistakenly think that his return is right now. And by the way, I firmly believe it could happen at any time, but I'm not going to put my hope on the circumstances and think I can exactly line it up. Because if I do that and he doesn't return, it might make me a little bit discouraged and think, wow. Or it might lead me to a place of idleness if I do think, okay, he's coming in 2024, and so what I'm going to do right now is I'm not even going to worry about working anymore. I'm going to just I'm going to bank the money I have, and I'm going to sell what I can, and I'm going to move off to some mountain in North Carolina, and I'm going to go to the top, and I'm just going to wait on him. And there are people that have done that. And they get very idle. And 
then there's another thing that can happen sometimes when people get their hopes up. And, and by the way, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's Proverbs 13, 12. You have great hope, and because it's deferred, you're, you know, you just get your heart sick. Some of y'all had some puppy love like that. Anybody here want to confess to that? I just love that girl, or I love that boy, and it didn't get returned, and like your heart was sick. But here's, here's part of the danger, and I'm, I'm kind of rambling a little bit here, but here's part of the danger. Part of the danger is that for the unsaved world is because so many things have happened and so much has gone on, if they don't believe in the Lord to begin with, then they begin to question whether or not he's coming back. And Peter calls them scoffers. And they cynically say, where is Jesus? Because he's not here now. He's never coming back. So I, I share this with you because I, I want you to be prepared. As a coach, I want you to understand these things that are happening right now. I mean, the Lord could come back right now if he wants to. But what I'm telling you is that the things that are happening right now in our world, the craziness, it's going to happen because we live in a fallen world. But I'm reminded, this is a good passage in, in Lamentations. By the way, if you've never gone to the book of Lamentations, guess what? You get to do that this morning. You say, what in the world is Lamentations? Well, Lamentations is a book in the Old Testament that comes right behind the book of Jeremiah. So if you'll take your Bible and you will go, you'll, you'll find the minor prophet, or excuse me, the major prophets, Isaiah, and then Jeremiah, and then right after Jeremiah, you will see the book of Lamentations. And it's written by a guy who has been preaching to the people of Israel that judgment is coming. And guess what he got for his preaching? He got thrown in jail. He got put in a giant cistern, which was a pit they kept water in, but in this case there was garbage in it. And they threw him in there, and they mistreated him. And, I mean, he was in, in pretty bad shape. Anyway, Lamentations. I hope you can find this. Please go to Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 14. Now, this is Jeremiah's testimony. This is, this is what, this are, these are his personal feelings. By the way, when you go to the Bible, you're going to read things about the inner feelings of people, and it's going to connect with some of you, with all of us. Jeremiah Lamentations chapter 3, verse 14. Listen to what he says. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Now, I know there's nobody here that ever feels that way. But Jeremiah felt that way. And then he says, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. That doesn't sound good. Verse 20, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. In other words, I'm majorly depressed. I'm in a bad state of mind. But then we come to the next verse and everything changes. Notice what he says, verse 21. But I call this to mind. 
I bring this back into my mind. I start to focus on this, which I'm about to tell you. I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Man, this guy has gone from the lowest of low to a place of hope. And then he says, the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercies are, they never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know what Jeremiah did? Jeremiah got his eyes off of the troubles of the world, and he reminded himself that hope, that mercy, that love was in the Lord and His goodness. Can anybody say amen to that? That will change your life. It will change your life. There's a song written about that, and I'm not even going to attempt to sing it, but the words are this, the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, Jeremiah had to get to that place to where he understood that it was not in the circumstances in which his joy was derived, but it was in the giver of those blessings. It was not in the blessing that he found his satisfaction and enjoyment, but it was in the presence of the one who can grant those blessings. And this is why he said it like this in verse 24, The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. Oh, i got to tell you something. A good coach will let you know that war, that famine, that earthquake, that people who want to deceive you and they want to rob you and they want to take the sustenance of your life, those people are going to be there. However, remember, you belong to him. And because of that, He is your portion, and you can have confidence and hope. I know someone said this a long time ago. He said, you know, we don't want to, uh, we don't want to be misled, or we don't want to be alarmed, and in the middle of crisis, we can call on the Lord and have confidence. And, and somebody said it like this, refuse to let an evil tide and polluted waves swamp your boat. Don't let them swamp your boat. Rise above it. Float atop it. And trust in the Lord. Listen, hard times will come to all of us. But that's what we expect in this world. Secondly, let me just share this. We should, we should, our confidence level should rise because we belong to Him. But secondly, in retrospect, as we remember the reality of this world, we should begin to see things from heaven down. We should have a heaven-centric view of the world. And here's what I want you to see. In Matthew 24, 6, Jesus said, Don't be alarmed, for this must take place. In other words, we're going to revive confidence in our heart when things get rough, but we're also going to reevaluate our estimate our estimate of this world. In other words, we're not gonna we're not gonna romanticize, we're not gonna fantasize, we're not gonna idealize this world. We're not gonna be living in that Barbie kind of world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, I haven't seen the movie, but I have a feeling, and I might be wrong about this, but I have a feeling it's, you know, everything is perfect in that world. And um, we're, we're, we're just, as God's people, 
when we think about the return of Christ, the difficulties are par for the course. And an attractive, beautiful believer in Jesus will be able to rise above that and have a twinkle in their eye and a hope in their heart. And they won't be Pollyanna where they can't see the real world. I mean, they're not in the matrix, you know, with the blue pill. They've come out of the matrix with the red pill and they know what's going on. But they have confidence and they know that this world is subject to the decay and the corruption that came about with the fall of man. Take your Bible, if you would, and go to Romans chapter 8 just a moment. I want you to see this passage because this describes the world that we're in. And a lot of what's in the world is good, and God gives us blessing. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that we should enjoy the fruit of our labor. We should enjoy with food and drink, and we should, you know, we should enjoy that kind of stuff. And, and the Bible tells us that, that it's the Lord who satisfies, and we have that abundance. But make no mistake, that's for those who know Him. But in Romans chapter 8, In that passage of Scripture, beginning in verse 18, we see some things about this present time. Number one, there's suffering. Verse 20, the creation is subjected to futility. Verse 21 says the creation itself is in bondage to corruption. Verse 22 tells us that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth. See, if if I'm going to avoid panic and alarm as I look at the world events that are going on, I'm going to remind myself that God is still in charge. I'm going to remind myself that God has transformed my life so that there is a peace that passes all understanding. And I'm going to remind myself that, yeah, I'm in a place that's not ideal. But guess what? At, at the risk of sounding a little bit, um, uh, a little bit um, countryfied, you ain't in heaven right now. I hope somebody will laugh. Please laugh. <laughs> We're not in heaven. But one day, the promise is that we will because of what Jesus has done in our lives. He's forgiven us of our sin. He's cleansing us. And um, He's promised eternity for us. And you know what I'm cognizant of? the fact. I'm cognizant of the fact that, you know, people come to faith in Christ at all times of life, when they're young, when they're old, when they're in middle age. But there is a season and there's a time when all of a sudden it just all clicks And when that happens, the promise is that God's Spirit comes to dwell within us. And there's a sense of His presence and His power. He is with us. He is, you know, when Jesus prayed for His disciples, He did not pray that the Father would take them out of this world, did He? But He did say, Father, protect them from the evil one. And so I think if we're going to view end-time events and not get sucked into this thing about, you know, about alarm and panic and being misled, we remind ourselves that Christ is the one who rose from the dead. And then we remind ourselves that from heaven's position, looking at this world, it's a world that is in the process of corruption, but there is redemption coming.
Thirdly, let me just say this real quick this morning. The Bible tells us that if we're going to understand our obligations, we, we have a duty to avoid being misled and alarmed, to be taken away from Christ. We have an obligation to understand the world and see it as it really is from a Bible perspective. And, and for those who say, well, you can't really trust the Bible, I'd say look at the world and tell me you can't trust the Bible. Come on. It speaks to the heart of the individual, but also speaks to the world the way the world really is. Which is one reason why I cannot believe that the world is simply on the back of a bunch of turtles, an endless line of turtles in the universe. Is it turtles or elephants? It's something like that. But, but that's what some of the sacred writings from, from, uh, from, from Hinduism teach us. But when I look at the Bible, it looks pretty much like the way things really are. Thirdly, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, the Bible says that he who endures to the end will be saved. And, and, and in this passage of Scripture, Jesus said there are going to be people who betray others. There are going to be people whose love grows cold. And there are going to be people who leave the church and people who do, you know, who just... They hate others. There's a, an increase of lawlessness, and we see this all over the world. But what Jesus calls us to is to endure. And when the majority of people, when their love for the Lord and their love for others begins to cool off because of the lawlessness and the hatred and all of that, God's people endure. We stay with it. We press on, and we press on to the end. And this word, to the end, this phrase, endures to the end, it means that these people stay with it right through to the very end. That's what connotates a description of those who are truly born again. They endure. They're not perfect they don't always get it right. They lose their temper. They get upset. They get down like Jeremiah, and then maybe the next day they're up, you know, a mile high. They struggle with forgiveness. They have doubts about life. Well, why this? Well, why that? Well, I don't understand this. Well, what? You know, they, they, they're just regular people. But because they've been born again, the Bible says the Holy Spirit indwells and they cry out to the Father and they endure to the very end. I have a feeling that it, there's coming a day when you and I are going to be so challenged in our faithfulness to the Lord that we will have to There'll be a social credit system here just like there is in China. And you'll be challenged to whether or not you want to continue to give to the ministry of, of the church, to the gospel enterprise. You'll be challenged because I promise you this, one day a digital currency is going to happen and they're going to track every dollar, every cent. I don't even know if it'll be dollar or not, but... The bottom line is there will be an attempt, and we will see this as we see the rise of Antichrist. We'll talk about this in days ahead. We've got to wrap things up here. One more thing I want to say this morning, and that is this. In verse 14 of Matthew 24, 
Jesus is reminding them about the things that are going to happen. He said it's, it's par for the course. And then he says in verse 14, This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And, and all I can say is our obligation here is to re-energize evangelism. I know that is not a pleasant word for some people because they have all kinds of ideas about what that means. But let me just say it like this. We want to win people to Jesus. Because in Jesus they find forgiveness of sin and the prospect of eternal life. We win them to Jesus because in Jesus they have a a mind that is made new and they begin to understand how messed up things have gotten without the Lord. And it makes a difference in their families because they begin to love each other unconditionally. And it makes a difference in their schools because they begin to care for people and they stop doing things that are harming people and start doing things that are helping children. And it makes a difference in the workplace Because that boss that has driven you crazy for all those years, finally you have a capacity to put up with that rascal. And you begin to pray for him. And your heart changes. And who knows, maybe his does too. So, our obligation, carry on the mission. Preach the gospel. One of the things that I'm excited about is Hope 127, which is a ministry that was started here uh, by Pam Roethlisberger, and it's about building an orphanage and uh, building a a place for widows in Liberia. i got to tell you something, folks. It's exciting what God is doing around the world, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm excited to see that happening right here. By the way, on the 13th, we're going to have a very special guest that will be here that will be sharing with us about ministry all over the world. And this person has been in some crazy places. I hope you'll be here on the 13th. Is that next week? No, that's two weeks from today. Anyway. Well, listen, i got to wrap this up because y'all got to go get the, the, uh, the ham out of the oven or something. I don't know. Let's, uh, let's have our closing prayer. And I want to encourage you to draw near to the Lord. Don't be discouraged by what's happening. Be encouraged because He is with you. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord God, help us to be a people who are not swamped with the polluted waters and waves of this world. But Lord, help us to rise above that with a joy in our hearts and a faithfulness to the mission that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray.